Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 8. Hey, guys, if you can find up there what turns these lights on. Yeah, I know. If everything goes off, don't, you know, I'm sorry, but yeah. It's, uh, man, I got a shadow up here that, woo, it's interesting. Um, Acts chapter 10, uh, starting in verse, verse 1, verse 1 to, 1 to 8, if you would follow along with me. <laughs> We're going to have to go up here. <laughs> I knew there was something different. I'm going, wow, there it is. That's, we'll get it. We'll get it. Yeah, I could do that too. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously uh, to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw... Oh, beautiful. He said, let there be light. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. About, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision. Isn't it funny how God works that way? <laughs> I just have to be at that spot. Uh, in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it? What is it, Lord? And so he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among, who, from among those who waited on him continually. And so... When he had explained all things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. You are a good and a gracious God. And Lord, to realize that we can be here this day and we can, and we can worship you and we can praise you. And Lord, you are so worthy and, and deserving of, of both. But Father, there, there is something that, that calls us into, into the field. Uh, for the, for the, the field is white for the harvest, and it is all around us, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for that. You call us not to be, to be pew sitters. You call us to be in that field. And Lord, I, I thank you for all that you're doing. And Lord, as, as the burden that, that you have placed on my heart, um, as, as we bring this before today, um, Lord, I just ask your blessings to be upon each and every one of us. Father, we're individuals. We individually have, have desires. We individually know what you're calling us to do. And so, Father, bless this time that we open your word together. 
And we pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Please, uh, you'll want to leave your Bibles open. You know, uh, let me just quickly explain. I, you know, before, uh, before Easter ever came, um, I was in my Bible studies have been in, in the book of in the epistle of Galatians and and um, and I thought you know this is one time when I'd kind of like to to be by using the Bible study in Galatians and then coming back on Sunday and talking about it again on on Sunday something to drive home it, it, Galatians is is the idea of of um, uh, the law versus grace, and before Easter, that's that's where I was. I was I was working along in 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 uh, Galatians, and then uh, Easter comes, and and you know you have to drop what everything is and and get involved in in the Easter services and all, and and um, and so this week I was going to go back in into Galatians, and I was going to Galatians chapter two, starting the first four verses where where paul is is being called back to Jerusalem it 's a conference he 's going back to speak to the to the disciples and and those in the church in Jerusalem. I want you to understand something that you you need to get this in the early church, the early church was jews okay they were they were christ believers, but they were Jews. And they were hung up on the law. They had lived the law. And so this is, this, there was a transition going on in the church. And as I started um, looking at, at Galatians chapter 2, I was led to what I just read to you. Um, because, you know, guys, if, if there is one thing that, that the church has to be, there is no choice in this. Um, the only choice for a church is either to live or die, one, one or the other. And, and if we stay, I guess what you would call is static. If, if we stay in one position, do one thing, one thing only, we're dead. If the world around us is changing and there are things happening around us that, that is leading in the world in different directions and, and the church doesn't recognize that and doesn't move to make changes to reach the people that, that are being changed around us constantly, then we die. It is just the way it works. And so I'm, I'm led to this. And, and believe me, the Jews who started the church... You know, they believed in Christ. They believed in him. But yet they couldn't shake the law. They couldn't do it. And, and so the church was going through a, a real transition time. It was, it was brutal for them. And you know, the thing is, is that they had to change. But, but, but as they were having to change, they had to do it kicking and screaming the whole, the whole way. This was a battle. And that's where Paul was heading to Jerusalem. And so this ends up being, rather than going to Galatians 4, I go into, go into Acts and kind of cover this. This will probably take me about three weeks. It could, no, there'll be different services. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be here for three weeks, you know, continually. But, you know, I can get long-winded. I'm not quite that long-winded. But, but, uh, um, but it's a transition. We have to. There has to be a transition. And so, you know, that's, that's where we're at today. And I, you know, there are different seasons in our lives. 
And I know that. You know that. And I'm not talking about, about the, the age thing, you know, you being in the, in the summer of your life or in the winter of your life or, or whatever. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what God does in our lives, what he does, and how he deals with, with each of us and, and, and the seasons that we go through um, in, in our relationship with God. The change that he brings us through. Listen. Your relationship with Christ, has it improved over the last five years? Man, I better see something out of here. Don't just sit there and look at me. Has your relationship with Jesus Christ, has it improved over the last five years? It better have. It better have. Listen. People in, in jobs, you know, you, there, there's, there's different types of workers out there. You know, you got people who come in and they start a new job and they learn for that first year. And then the rest of their time they go dead. They never learn another thing. And as far as they ever got was that first year. And at the end of that first year, they, they stopped. Never learned another thing. If you're in the technology field or whatever, guess what? You're useless. Useless. Because technology changes every day. And if you went for that first year and then never changed anything after that, you're useless to your company. Your relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't come and, and end with, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. It doesn't end there. What you've done is you've taken that first step. You've taken a first step to walk with him. You've taken the first step for, for building a relationship with Jesus Christ to do something in this world for him. You know, I, I, have you ever heard anybody say, why was I born? Who am I? What am I supposed to do with my life? You want to know something? Every answer to that is in your Bible. Every answer to that is in your Bible. And, and the reason that you were born, and I could, let me enlighten you. Let me enlighten you on this. You were born for a relationship with Jesus Christ. You are his. He created you. And it was for one purpose, one purpose only, and that was to be his. You see, that takes away all of the, why was I born? What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to have a relationship with Christ, and you're supposed to build on that relationship. Listen, it doesn't mean that you don't become the engineer that you want to be or, or the fireman that you want to be or, or the housewife that you want to be or whatever it is. But you do that through Christ. And he walks you through your life. It's a never end. You see, Christianity is not a fad. It's not, it's not something that you do just once and you decide to make this decision for Christ and then you just let it go on from there. It's a life, a life. And it's a life to be lived. It's a life to enjoy. It's a life that, that never, ever, ever will leave you alone. Why? 
God, it's because we serve and we worship a living God. We serve a living God, and he is there. And, and you know, I, I don't feel bad if you've never heard the audible voice. Don't worry about that part. I never heard the audible voice. I've, heard, I've felt the hand against the side of my head a few times. But, you know, he's a living God. And he's there. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing is, is he's not just mine. He's yours. You leave here. You, you go home. He's with you. But he's with me. Wow. Praise God for the Holy Spirit, huh? Do you know? But, but this, is, this is a lifestyle. This continues on and on. Um, thing is, guys, to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ is going to, it's going to be, cha- things are going to change. My goodness. That's, a, that's, that's something that, that when you accept Christ as your Savior, something has to change. You can't go on being that person that, that, that you used to be. You can't do that. Sorry, if you think you can, you can't. I would check my relationship with Christ if I am still the same bad habit, doing the bad things that, that I always did in my life, and then say that I accept Christ as my Savior, but nothing in my life ever changed. Guys, it isn't like that. You need to allow him to work in your life. You need to allow him to change your life because there is going to be change. There's going to be change. And it's awesome change. And it's not for the worst. It's for the better. He's better. He makes us better. But you've got to be open for the change in your life. You've got to let it go. Did you ever hear the term, and it's in Scripture, dying to self. You die to self. That's what it means. It's no longer me who lives, but me who lives through Christ. That's the change. And he'll do wondrous things for you. Wondrous things. <coughs> you, you'd never know it. You never would ever know this unless you knew me before I became a pastor. <laughs> I can't talk in front of people. I can't do it. All right, he changed that. He changed that. that this, this didn't come, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not kidding you. I could not talk in front of people. Um, but he took that away. Now I can't shut up. I know, I get that part. But, it, it's, but you, you know, you've got to understand. That, that's not, okay, well, I'll give this a try. This is called, this is what the Lord is calling me to do. You just get up, you suck it up, and, and you go. And he'll take care of it. You know, it, it's, it's change. You have to be willing to roll with, with the change. Praise God, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He didn't call you to something that it's impossible either. He'll pull you out of your sandbox. He'll pull you out of the known and send you into the unknown. But he knows what he's doing. You've got to trust him on that. See, the book of Acts is telling us that there was going to be change and that God was going to bring forth this change. That's so much, as, as you read in Acts and you watch the, the, the book continue on and on, and, and you see where the church has developed, and, but man, it's changed. Poor Jews. You know, they, they were brought kicking and screaming in, into this change, and, and many of them had a very tough time with it. And they used Paul in this change. 
But it, it was a message of grace. All of a sudden, Paul is, t- is, is preaching this thing on Jesus Christ and him crucified, preaching the cross. What is this cross stuff? But it, but it, was, it was the change that, that, that was coming. And, and Paul was being used to that. Paul, you know, he was that converted Jew. Paul knew the law. He knew that you had to live by the law, but he knew that Jesus was calling him into something different and that, and that he was, wow, what he called him into just didn't make sense in, in, in when, when you live by the law, but you're living by grace now. You see, and he was also, in, in this change, he was using Paul, but he was also using Peter. And, and Peter is the one that we're actually focusing on here, but... But what was interesting is how God prepares. You know, when you, when you look at what, what he was pulling Peter in and what he, was, what he was going to be teaching Peter, he'd already taught Paul. Now he's teaching Peter. And, and, and the change that was coming, but, but God is working on this side and he's working on that side and he's bringing it together for his purpose. You see, and that's, and that's really, that's what this, this is about today. It's always, guys, it's always about God's purpose. You see, those, who, those that he choose is, are, are not always those that we would choose in, in the changes that, that, that he brings about. You know, um, see, Scripture tells us that there was a centurion. Um, his name was Cornelius. That's what this, this one is about. He's a centurion, and, and he's a commander of the Roman army. Um, and and uh, he, is, he is stationed in Caesarea. And if you look on a map, Caesarea is, is going to be just north of, of Joppa or, or Tel Aviv in, in that general area. And it is a Roman stronghold. It's where, it's, um, it's where the government, the governor was. Um, actually, his, his place is still there. It's, it's right on the, on the seashore there. It's a beautiful, well, it would have been beautiful. All the walls are about yay high now, but it, over the years it, it has been, been destroyed. But you can see where, where his pool was and, and all of those things. And, and, but that's where, that's where the government, uh, where the governor actually, where he actually was. Um, but this Cornelius need to look at his heart. Yes, he was a Roman gov- or a, a, a centurion, a Roman centurion in charge of an army. But but he had he had a diff- he had a different heart. He's a, he's a, a Gentile and he and he's following the Jewish faith. Get that part, a Gentile following the Jewish faith. Um, he's a devout man. He believes in God. Um, and, and he gave alms to the people. They're kind of setting this up and telling you this whole story and, and who Cornelius really was. And he prayed to God always. Prayers are answered, guys. Here he is, a, a, a Gentile in a Jewish country, praying to God. And God hears him. You know, I mean, to say the least, this, this Cornelius was not your normal Roman commander. He was. He was different. But, but God was using him. God was using him. And God sends an angel to him. And, and this angel says, send for Peter. 
we have, God has heard your prayers, and he's brought them as, as a memorial before him, and, and, and God sent this angel to him to say, here's what you do. I want you to send your men down to, to Joppa to find Peter, who's, or uh, Simon, whose surname is, is Peter. Bring him back. Bring him back. Here's another angel visit, you know. And, and, and how much he was scared or whatever really doesn't matter because he put it together and he sent his people down to get him. But this is where God makes this event so interesting because he's working one side against the other. He's working with Peter and he's, and he's working with Cornelius. He's doing this at the same time and he's bringing it all together. Flip over in your Bibles to, to uh, verse 9. To verse 9. And this is where God is working on, on Peter at the, at the same time that he's working on Cornelius. It says, The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they, were, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down on, uh, to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. I'm a good Jewish boy. And a voice spoke to him again and said the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. And this was done three times, and then the object was taken up again into heaven. This is what Peter sees on top of the house. As as he's in this trance, he's waiting for dinner, and all of a sudden, God, knowing how Peter feels, drops this sheet out of heaven. And it's got all kinds of four-footed animals and creeping things and birds of the air, things that a good Jewish boy would never think of eating because they would have been dirty. And you don't do that when, when you were following of the Jewish faith. And it says, Peter, rise, kill, and eat this. And Peter says, wait a minute, I can't do that, Lord. I can't do that. I've never put anything like that into my mouth before. God said, if I made it, if I cleansed it, don't you dare call it common. Don't you dare call that that common. Look at verse 17. And now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. The, 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 the voice came to Peter again, and he says, Peter, you know, you've got the vision. You've got the vision now, Pete. Now listen, there's guys waiting at the front gate. They're coming in. They're asking for you. Peter, don't ask questions. Just go with them. 
trust me, Peter, there's going to be change. There's going to be change, Peter. Trust me. Go with them, shut up. Just go with them and doubt nothing, Peter. Doubt nothing. And so as Peter is trying to figure this all out, this, this, all, this all comes to him. Listen, I'm, I'm sure that Peter was confused in this. Just because a vision comes from God does not mean that everything is made perfectly crystal clear. How is he supposed to think, or what is he supposed to think about this sheet that comes down from heaven with all the four-footed animals and the creeping things and the birds of the air and telling him to kill and eat? And You know, I mean, he, he's man. He can be confused by this, and he's considering all these things. But he says, go with them, Peter. Don't doubt anything. Just, just go with them. See, there have been a lot of times in Peter's life And you know, in going through the Gospels, you know that Peter was asked to stand on faith many times. Many times. See, folks, you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to take that step. You've got to be willing to take that step out of the boat. You've got to be willing to get wet. You've got to be willing to get your hands dirty. Because it's not always clean. It's not always easy. But where it all starts, where change all happens, is, is, when, is when you have the faith to take, to take that step. Even when it looks like things are, are dangerous. Marianne Gifford, I'm thinking about her. She's on her way to the Ukraine. A couple of weeks the Lord called her back. I thought Marianne was done going, going to the Ukraine. That's not a safe place to go. Did that stop her? Nope. <laughs> Marianne, she is, she is, she's awesome. But, you know, that's what the Lord called her to do. And she could have said, Lord, it's not safe. We don't know what the Russians are going to do there. It's dangerous there. And, and though the paper isn't saying anything really about what goes on in the Ukraine, guys, it hasn't gotten any better. In fact, it's worse. And here she goes right into the middle of it. Trust. It's trust. And, and, that's, and that's what she's doing. But, you know, in, in Peter's case, to go to Caesarea, to the Roman capital uh, in, in Judea, you know, there, there's a Roman commander there who's calling you. That's like a knock coming on the door and says, hey, the government wants to talk to you. The authorities want to talk to you. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy thing. And not only that, he's also, because of what they've told him, he's going to go, and he's going to, go to the commander's house. He's going to Cornelius' house. And he's going to step inside. Get this. He's going to step inside a Gentile's house. Good Jewish boys don't do that. If, if they step into a Gentile's house, you better believe they wipe their feet off before they go back outside. That's how they think about them. But that's what Peter's being asked to do. Some people would look at Peter and, and say, Peter, what are you, stupid? How could you possibly do something like that? Don't you know what situation you're putting yourself into? And, and in reality, what Peter is doing He's walking in faith. He's taking a step in faith. He's walking into an impossible situation. 
But Peter is, he's trusting the Lord for the results. You see, this never would have happened. And, and as you see what is, what is actually happening here, this is the forming of the church. How would this have happened? How would the Gentiles ever have been reached if Peter didn't take this step? Well, the Lord would have found another way. God doesn't quit, but neither did Peter. You see, and, and Peter trusted the Lord to be able to take, to take that step. You see, guys, change was common. It was common. And it was a huge change. You see, and, the, and that change was, was the gospel of Jesus Christ was being given to the Gentiles. This was taking the church beyond the Jew. And it was being given, it was going to be given to the Gentiles. The Jews had already, as a nation, had, had given up. Um, they, they were not ever going to accept that Jesus Christ was their Messiah. God was taking that opportunity and he, he took the Jews, he set them to the side. He doesn't replace them, but he just took them and he set them to the side and he offered salvation through Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. That's what the change is, guys. The change had to be this. See, Cornelius' household was about to hear the message of Jesus Christ. It wasn't going to happen any other way. And, and Peter was there to deliver this message, a message that we profess today. As, as I stand up here on, on any given Sunday and I say, listen, the way to salvation is through Christ and through Christ alone. There is no other way for salvation. You can be a great guy. You can, be, you can be the nicest person on the block. But you know something? Without Christ, you're going to hell. It's as simple and as plain as that. And it is totally um, unpolitically correct or whatever. But it is the truth. It's the truth, guys. And if I don't tell you the truth, I have to stand before Jesus Christ one day and say... I, I just didn't want to insult anybody. I didn't want to offend anybody. And actually, I don't care. I don't care if I insult you or I offend you or whatever because I would much rather enjoy salvation for eternity with you than, than to not. One day, it's going to be an awesome time when we all meet in, in heaven when we are with the Father, when we are with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Why? Because we believed in Christ. That's why. That's why we do it. That's why I don't care if I insult you now. One day you'll say, thanks. <laughs> One day you'll say, hey, you were right. You were right. That's why you, you, that's why you offend your friends. That's why you offend, offend your family. That's why you do that. Because you want to be with them. Make it selfish. If you want to do it that way, make it selfish because I want to spend eternity with you. I love you. Do it out of love. Be selfish. Do it for you. <laughs> I don't care what your reasoning is. Just so, we get, just so that we get it done. Oh. Guys, have you ever had to walk blindly in your faith? Have you ever had to? You need to. You need to trust him that much. Have you ever taken that step not knowing what's, what's on the other side? To, to, to think that maybe, man, I might really get, be put down for what I'm about to say. But, but I've got to take this step. 
I don't know how it's going to be received, but I've got to take this step. Guys, that's important. It's important to trust him. And it doesn't mean that you won't run into hardships. It doesn't mean that someone's going to not knock you down. It doesn't mean that somebody might not make fun of you. When you turn your back, they, they, they say something about, oh, it's one of them Christians. It's okay. It's all right. Guys, you know the truth. You say, I do? Yeah, you do. You know why? Because I just told you. I just told you. Guys, there is no other way. There is no other way. You know, God can change our plans. It's, it's all in trust. It's, it's trusting to take that next step. He could change your life in a heartbeat. And he has. And he does. And, and not that he brings hardships upon you, but he'll take that hardship and he'll do it for his glory and someone will be, someone will be changed because of it. You know, not only my mom, but, but in other people. Oh boy, I'm running. I'm sorry. It'll still be warm when you get over there. Um, my mom, you know, asked, why am I still here? I've had more than one person ask me that, that, that question. Why am I still here? And, it, and it's kind of a shallow thing to say, God's not done with you yet. You know, that's sort of what you say when you don't have an answer. But you know something? The truth of that is that God can use that. You know, maybe, maybe it could be in a, something as simple as a smile. Maybe it would be someone who comes up, uh, comes up in, in contact with you that says, that, says, that knows that, that, golly, you're on your last legs, you, you, but, but, yet, but yet your attitude is so much different than anybody else's. There's a heart to be touched. There's a heart to be touched. And, and, and honestly, even in, in my mom's case, yeah, she, she was probably, she was here probably a couple of years longer than what she really wanted to be, but, but that wasn't for her to say. That was for God. That was for God. And what he did in those last two years, I don't know. I don't think she knows. But, but the thing is, be open to that. Be open to what God can do for each and every one of us and, and who he's going to touch through our lives. You see, he can change our lives. He'll never ask your opinion. He's not even going to ask you if you're willing. It's just coming your way. And whether you're willing or not kind of depends on your faith walk. If you know he's using you, you need to take that step. You see, guys, I, I believe that, that this this church, I believe that, that sometimes we get a little comfortable and, and we stay where we're at and we, we stay within our own means and, and we don't, you know, we can stop reaching out. Guys, that's deadly. That's deadly to a church. A church needs more than anything, not for our own survival, but for the calling that Christ put on our lives to reach into this community in one way or another. 
whether it would be through family night, whether it would be through your invitations, how, however that might be, more than just to say to somebody, hey, you need to come to church with me now. You need to come to church with me. I'll be there on Sunday to pick you up. You never leave them alone. Guys, you have to understand as you look into this world, this world is one big mess. And it ain't getting any better. In fact, it is getting worse every day. And Christians are going to come under fire like you've never seen before. Really, really. And, and how this church reacts is going to say volumes. Guys, we can't stay static. We can't sit here and be satisfied with just coming in and sitting in the pews and not doing anything about it. Coming in and hearing a sermon and going out and saying, wasn't that nice? I'll see you next week. No. You see, that's not what we're called to do. God never asked us to do that. And if we do that, we're doing it on our own. What we're asked to do is to make a difference in this community. Why do we do that? It's because the message is worth it. The message of Jesus Christ and him crucified is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it unto salvation. It's worth it unto, unto eternity. It's a worthy message to deliver. And it's a commitment to reach the lost in this community. Guys, I, I, I want you to join me in this. I really do. I want you to join me in this in a, in a commitment and, and to, to touch the hearts of this community. You know someone. You know people who are hurting. You know people who are lost. You can make a difference. You. Pastors don't make the difference. You make the difference. They can come in and they can listen, but you know something? As Justin was talking about earlier, what we got here is a family. And we have a chance to grow that family. And when there's people out in this world who are hurting and they need some place, they need it. They need that light. They need that beacon to be able to come to, to explain something about what is going on in this nutty world. But you see, it's a world without Christ. You offer Christ. You offer salvation. You offer the answer. And how blessed that really is. Join me in this. This is a commitment, and it's a commitment that we need to make as, as, as a church to really make a difference. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, you are so you are so awesome. You're wonderful. You're my God, and I love you. And I know that, 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 there are, that we as a congregation love you. And, and Father, I just pray that you will touch the hearts in, in, this, in this church. That you will put a desire within them, a need within them that, that just goes beyond anything that we could do on our own. For Lord, there are those who are hurting. There are those who are suffering. And yes, it, it, it takes change. It takes change in our attitudes. It takes change in, in the church. It takes change... 
But Lord, what we can't change is the message. Because the message is, is holy. The message is true. But it gives life. Father, let us all be part of this and, and to make a difference. Father, thank you. We love you. And touch each heart that's here. And we pray this in your most precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.